0: Recently, I read an article about the hallmarks of cancer, and it really got me thinking about the hallmarks of a life well lived. So today, we're talking about the eight things I believe are hallmarks of a life well lived. Hey there, and welcome. I'm your host, Regina Topolson, registered dietitian. Plant based foodie, amateur athlete, mom of teenage boys, and one lucky girl, cancer survivor, and host of the Life Well Lived podcast. Living through cancer seemed like the hard part until I had to learn how to live after. We all want to feel healthy and safe and know that our life has meaning and purpose. If you're a patient, survivor, or caretaker, this is the place to find hope and inspiration through life's great disruptor and learn to live more fully today. Hey there. So this week, I thought it would be good to take a deep dive into the tenets of lifestyle medicine and how they apply to cancer prevention or the prevention of recurrence. Now, I thought of this while reading an article on the, quote, hallmarks of cancer, unquote. Basically, six to eight things a cancer cell has to be able to do in order to survive. You know, what are those things? Well, they include things like being able to sustain mutations, the ability to sustain uncontrolled replication, basically evading something called apoptosis, which is controlled cell death or programmed cell death. It's also the ability to supply its own nutrition, something called angiogenesis and the ability to co-opt the immune system to help it. Now, this is a major simplification of a very long and serious article. But while I was reading it, I thought, okay, but what can anyone, myself included, do to stop the process or affect it in any way? We don't have to be sitting ducks, right? That made me think of the tenets of lifestyle medicine, an approach to provide a solution to the chronic diseases that are the top conditions plaguing Americans and many others worldwide, heart disease and cancer, number one and number two, respectively. And experts say cancer may soon outpace heart disease as number one, that's really scary. Just to put it in perspective, cancer is the second leading cause of mortality, death. Morbidity is disease, but mortality is death. And it's the second leading cause of mortality in the United States, and is equal to more than the next five causes of mortality combined including chronic lower respiratory disease, stroke, accidents, Alzheimer's, and diabetes. Yeah. The amount of deaths related to cancer was more than all five of those related deaths combined. I did the math. So... What are the major non genetic factors contributing to all these deaths? I mean, we can't do anything about genetics. Genetics is genetics. And, you know, there's this field called epigenetics. And, you know, that's the study of basically how our genetics interacts with our environment. So that's basically what we're talking about here today. But, you know, genetics is genetics. So, What can we do about the non-genetic piece of it, right? We can't do anything about the genetics we inherited, but we certainly can do something about the rest of it. So this is kind of like where I think of it like nature versus nurture, right? Nature is your genetics. It's what you've inherited. Nurture is the world around you. And it's precisely that which you have total control over. So getting back to the question of what are the major non-genetic factors contributing to all these deaths? Well, the top culprits are, no surprise here, tobacco, diet, and activity patterns, or lack thereof, and a somewhat distant third, alcohol. Now you might be thinking, isn't this data old? Didn't we know this a decade ago? Well, yes, we did. But the point here is that the numbers haven't really changed. They've only gotten bigger. And as I mentioned earlier, cancer is catching up to heart disease in terms of mortality rates. Maybe what this means is people are getting smarter about how to avoid heart disease. Maybe we're getting better at treating it and less people are dying from heart attacks, which would be a positive thing. Or maybe cancer is on the rise and that is a very definite negative thing. Now, you might be asking what are the things that contribute? to number one and number two killers of Americans. And the answer to that is hyperlipidemia, which is high total cholesterol, hypertension, or high blood pressure, overweight and obesity, tobacco use, which I mentioned, physical inactivity, which I mentioned, stress, unhealthy diet, which I mentioned, And diabetes. And all but the first two also contribute to cancer. I mean, I haven't seen any studies that say hyperlipidemia, total cholesterol, or hypertension, high blood pressure contributes to cancer. But maybe it's kind of sustaining a state of total inflammation in the body and It might be a stretch, but you could see that, you know, a high inflammatory load could cause mutations. So just because we don't have the study to prove it doesn't mean it ain't so. Now, the other things we know contribute to cancer, overweight and obesity, tobacco use, physical inactivity, stress, unhealthy diet those things we know, and uncontrolled blood sugar, also a state of uh, inflammation also contributes to cancer. And all are under your control. One question I get asked all the time is, what do I need to do to lose weight? As a dietitian, that's a perfectly normal question to hear. The answer is not as simple. Just to give you an idea, comparing obesity maps of the United States from the years 1990, 2000, and 2010, there were 10 states that had less than 10% obesity in 1990. By 2000, there was only one state in the 10 to 14% range. And by 2010, there was not one single state in the United States with obesity less than 20%. That is an actual translation of one in five people. Now, our standard way of addressing these issues, surgery and drugs, pseudo work. They work sometimes for some things and not others. And the doctors who work in these fields will tell you they're frustrated too. Cardiac surgeons, oncologists, endocrinologists, they don't always have all the tools and all the answers they would want. So what then is the answer? Well, in my opinion self-care is the answer. I don't mean bubble baths, though that's not entirely off the table. I mean concrete, evidence-based solutions to address chronic illness. The tenets of lifestyle medicine all fall within your control. And they may very well have the biggest impact or effect on your health. Now, I've talked about them before. I've interviewed experts on each topic. The tenets of lifestyle medicine are nutrition, physical activity, stress management, adequate sleep, relationships, and the avoidance of toxins. And I've added two of my own. You can take them or leave them as you wish. But I added spirituality and living a life of purpose. And I think these eight are the, quote, hallmarks, unquote, of a life well lived. Let's start with nutrition. Several years ago, U.S. News and World Reports polled experts in the field of nutrition and asked them to rate 40 different diets. That's right. They found 40 different diets. Keto and Atkins and Pritikin and... Oh, you name it. They found it and they asked these experts... To rate these diets based on how health promoting they were for humans. And all these experts rated the Mediterranean diet as the healthiest diet for humans. Now, others have tried to dispute it, but the evidence is pretty strong and it keeps mounting that it actually is health promoting for humans, more so than other diets. So what is the Mediterranean diet? Well, it's the dietary pattern observed by most residents who live bordering the Mediterranean Sea. It turns out that encompasses several countries, France, Italy, Spain, Greece just to name a few and what they all have in common is an emphasis on food eaten close to its source relying mostly on vegetables and fruit so it's plant-based including nuts seeds legumes and whole grains Now, what I've also noticed is a reverence for food. It's mindfully picked and prepared and served with pride. There's less processing and less of a throwaway culture mentality. And so the food means something. A meta-analysis, the gold standard for comparing studies, Of the Mediterranean diet found that adherence to this way of eating reduced overall mortality, death. Remember, mortality means death. So it reduced overall mortality by 9%, mortality from heart disease by 9%, from cancer by 6%, and from Parkinson's or Alzheimer's by 13%. 13%. I mean, listen. I think it all adds up, right? Some people might say, "Well, it's only 6% reduction." But if your life is one of those lives that was saved, isn't it worth it? I mean, I'll I'll take all the risk reduction I can get. If eating blueberries reduces my risk of developing cancer by 1%, I'll eat the blueberries. So, recent studies are showing, though, that it's not just being plant-based that's important. It's the quality of the food that matters equally, if not more. A recent study from France showed that following a healthy plant-based diet lowered a woman's risk of developing breast cancer by 14%, while an unhealthful variation, still plant-based, but relying on refined grains, fruit juices, sweets, desserts, and processed plant foods, raised her risk by 20%. That's a spread of 34%. None of the women on this study were vegetarian or vegan, but they did adhere to a mostly plant-based dietary pattern. I think that says a lot. The American Institute for Cancer Research puts out a publication every five years advising Americans in a similar fashion to the dietary guidelines about behaviors that can reduce your risk of developing cancer. Any kind. Out of 10 recommendations, seven are related to what and how we eat. Y'all, that's 70%. Their recommendations are to maintain a healthy weight, eat a diet rich in whole grains, vegetables, fruits, and beans, limit Red and processed meats. Limit fast foods and other processed foods high in fat, starch, or sugar. Limit sugary drinks. Limit alcohol. And breastfeed your baby, if that applies to you. Seven. Seven recommendations based on what and how we eat. Now, you might be wondering... What are the other three? Well, one of them is to stay physically active. Another one is not to rely on supplements to get your nutrients and try to get them from food instead. And the last recommendation is, if you already have cancer, then try to stick to these recommendations. Now, why the seven recommendations all about food? Because these seven have the greatest impact on your health. The caveat here is that these are the factors you can control. You can't control genetics, height, or onset of menses, important factors in developing breast cancer. But of the things you can control, I'd say the recommendations above are significant. And you don't have to just take my opinion. There are many studies to prove it. The World Cancer Research Fund found that up to one-third of all cancer cases in the United States could be prevented by lifestyle changes, including that of diet. One-third! Oh my goodness. Let's do the math here for a minute. I think in 2022, it's slated something around 286,000 new cases of breast cancer are to be diagnosed. And if we take that and multiply by 33%, which is one third, so there would be 94,000 cases less of breast cancer. And that's just breast cancer. We're not talking about all the other cancers that might be reduced as well. I think that that's a very good start. I don't know about you, but I think one-third reduction is a very good start. Now, the American Institute for Cancer Research and the Dietary Guidelines for Americans recommend at least five servings of fruits and vegetables per day. If you have or have had cancer, that number should be between 8 and 12 servings per day. But a 2014 weekly government report showed an average of 1.6 servings of vegetables per day. 1.6, that's like 1.5. 1.5 servings of vegetables per day. That doesn't even come close to the 4 or 5 servings that are recommended. The highest consumption was in California, Oregon, and New Hampshire, so what does that say for the rest of our country? The guidelines can be looked at both specifically and in a broad fashion. They tell you what to eat, fruits and vegetables, but they leave it up to you to choose which ones. The goal here is not to get caught up in the details. You don't need to start counting five milligrams of this and 13 micrograms of that. A diet full of healthy foods and a variety of them should provide all the nutrients you need. Now, are there certain things you should avoid? Yeah, I mean, again, looking back to the guidelines, limit red and processed meat fast and highly processed foods, sugary drinks and foods with excess sugar. And of course, foods that are toxic, like trans fats, where, you know, they've been banned in most places anyways, but I'm sure in the US there's still places that serve trans fats. And recognize that an apple is healthier than a slice of apple pie. It just is. But it doesn't mean you can never have it. Just not every day. And my favorite question of all time is, where do you get your protein? (laughs) My answer? The same place your protein gets its protein. Listen, cows don't eat other cows. And the same for all other animals. They're not cannibals. And yet, They grow big and strong from eating grass, hence the term grass-fed. Also, cows don't have heart disease or diabetes. The reality is you don't need as much protein as you think. I did a video and wrote an article on my blog about protein So if you're interested in diving deeper into those topics, I suggest you go to YouTube and look up my channel on YouTube and find, you know, the couple videos that I did on protein, and then find my article on my, on my website, on my blog that I did about protein. But there are two things that I want to mention here, though. One Studies have shown that there is no difference in quality of protein from animals or plants. They're both high quality. As long as you eat a variety of protein-containing foods, you'll get all the protein building blocks you need. Again, we're talking about high-quality protein, not textured vegetable whatever that, you know, that's basically processed soy. And you wouldn't want to eat anything that's highly processed like that any more than you would want to eat highly processed meat, you know. So when we're looking at high quality protein, it doesn't matter if it comes from beans or if it comes from a steak, it's high quality. The second thing I wanted to mention is that lots of people think that you need to eat animal protein to get calcium. And for women with brittle bones, I mean, that's a big thing for them, right? It's a big concern. However, plant-based milks have one and a half times the calcium that dairy milk has. So it really behooves you to look into your nutrition with a little bit more skepticism and really to, you know, look at what your you're eating, what you're putting inside your body, and to ask the real question of, you know, is there something better? Okay, finally, let's get into the nitty gritty of what this all really means. Because you want to increase your health span, the amount of healthy years you live, not just lifespan, the total years you live. I mean, no one wants to spend the last one or two decades of their life unhealthy, that would be horrible. So how much food are we talking about here? Okay, I'm going to start with protein. Because I know that that's what everyone wants to know about. Now, the recommendations are 0.8. So 0.8 grams per kilogram of weight. Okay. And the Actually, when they did this study, it was 0.5 is what they found. But they said most people are going to fall into two standard deviations. And so we're going to take that number to make sure that we can. It's like a big fishing net, right? We want to catch as many people in the population as possible And so they increased that to two standard deviations out. Now, if you don't understand what standard deviations are, no worries. Just be rest assured to know they widened the net to be able to catch most people in it. And that number is 0.8. Okay. So if you weigh 150 pounds, that's 68 kilograms. And the amount of protein you need is 34 to 54 grams of protein per day. For the average person, that's it. If you're a bodybuilder or avid athlete, we should talk. But otherwise, that's it. Plant proteins include beans, lentils, peas, nuts, seeds, and grains. So, think of like half a cup of quinoa or brown rice two tablespoons of nut butter or tahini, or half a cup of beans or lentils. Small servings go a long way, but we are talking about four to five servings a day. For vegetables, you'll want to eat about two and a half cups per day. A serving is one cup of leafy greens, like a salad, or half a cup chopped raw or cooked vegetables. Choose non-starchy vegetables and aim for about four to five servings per day. For fruits, a serving is one medium piece of fruit, the size of a tennis ball, or half a cup of fresh or frozen fruit. Now, you should try to limit dried fruit, which a serving is a quarter of a cup, and fruit juice, which is just basically concentrated sugar. And again, aim for four to five servings or one and a half cups per day. For fats, the serving size is small. One teaspoon of olive oil or one tablespoon of salad dressing. Healthy options include avocados, nuts, seeds, and olives. Two to three servings per day are really all you need. And whole grains include buckwheat or brown rice, teff, millet, or other ancient grains. The serving size is half a cup cooked. Yep, only half a cup of pasta, not two or three cups like we're used to being served. And you should aim for about six servings a day sourdough bread counts too alright well that's what I've got for you today I hope that that has been helpful and we'll pick up with the other hallmarks of a life well lived in subsequent podcasts so thanks for joining me and as always I wish you good health and I appreciate you and I would love it if you would go on my podcast and rate and review it and help other people find really great content like this and if you know someone who could benefit from this episode by all means share, share it a lot alright y'all Thank you so much for sharing this half hour with me and I'll see you next time.